All right. Well, good morning once again. Today's sermon is entitled Random Pieces, Random Pieces, and I want to ask you all a few questions. Has anyone here ever played with Lego? Yeah? Okay. Um, Has anyone here ever put together a puzzle? Okay. And has anyone here ever built a home appliance that had those words associated with it? Assembly required. Yeah, we've all had those experiences. You open up a a, a bag or a box, and you find those instructions, right? And along with the instructions are seemingly random pieces. Seemingly random pieces. There's no rhyme or reason or unity until it's all put together. Acts 2.1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I like that. I like that. And I I just, I want to take this moment as well to welcome any of our guests that are here. I, I feel like I see as many guest faces as I do members this morning, and so just thank you for uh, worshiping with us. You could be in a lot of places, but you decided to be here, and, and I hope that God gives you a blessing because of that. And for all of those watching at home, thank you for spending some time with us as well. We're going to talk um, uh, about a couple lessons in the book of Acts, and It's in the book of Acts that we see that the Holy Spirit never planned for this this movement that we call Christianity, this Christian movement, to be one fueled by uniformity, uniformity. And I, I think that if you just look around this room this morning, you'll see that that is the case. We all don't look the same. The Bible says that the disciples met in one place and were in one accord. But what does that mean exactly? What exactly does that mean? The original Greek language did not say that they met in one place and were in uniformity. The Greek word that is used, it's the one that's translated as one accord, it simply means harmony. Harmony. It's used 12 times in the New Testament. 11 of those times right in the book of Acts. And for those of you curious, the one other time is in Romans. But 11 times this word, homophimadon, it's found in the book of Acts, and it means one accord or harmony. And for all of you music aficionados out there, it's very clear to you that harmony requires variation, variation. Harmony requires differences. And yet, as each of these notes sound their unique tone at the same time, you have this melodious sound that rises up. It meets our ears, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Different instruments creating one Harmony, different voices creating one harmony. Now, continuing with this discussion of unity, 
Let us look at a few more verses together. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, it says, With all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Love is connected with unity. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Being of the same mind. What exactly does this mean? Another verse on this topic is found in 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. Once again, the connection is made between unity and love. Specifically, being of one mind. And then Philippians 2. Two through three. Fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Being of one mind, it has to do with loving others, putting others' needs before your own. Viewing others, as difficult as it might be, as better than yourself. Now, I want for you to just hold on to this idea, this idea of one mind. Hold, hold on to this. Just put it in your pocket. We're going to come back to it later. But for now, let's focus on the Bible's teaching of unity and diversity. <laughs> unity and diversity. With diversity comes conflict, Right? I think that we've all probably experienced that. Conflicting ideologies, they clash, and they create waves in this world. Families are broken, wars are fought, and sometimes even lives are lost. But in recent years, a body of research has revealed that working and interacting with people who are different from you may challenge your brain to overcome its stale ways of thinking and actually sharpen its performance. Wow. History, too, is filled with examples of how diverse groups, oops, I just put this asleep, diverse groups or individuals were able to work together to do amazing things. They had different ideologies, different skills, different personalities, but they were able to work together and achieve powerful goals. There was a group that conquered Mount Everest for the first time, and the leaders of the team, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norway, they're, they're well known. But the entire team had an important role to play. Not only did their team have diverse nationalities, but they also came from differing professions ranging from a schoolmaster to a soldier to a statistician to even the director of a travel agency. I mean, that, that's pretty diverse. The Wright brothers, they were credited with inventing, building, and flying the world's first airplane. 
they had different personalities, very different personalities. Wilbur Wright was the quiet, contemplative one. He was mostly watching, doing a lot of thinking. But then Oliver Wright was impulsive. And growing up in school, he was known to be the mischievous one. He was always getting in trouble, always the class clown. But they worked together. And they brought those differences with them to the table to create something that has shaped our current world. But then you can just look at the Bible itself. I mean, sometimes we look at it as just one one book, but it's really a library of books and letters. Over a period of 1,500 years, the Bible was written on three different continents in three different languages by over 40 people with different genders, ages, careers, cultures, beliefs, and gifts. Yet we find harmony within its pages. It's a beautiful thing. Now, what do all these examples have in common? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different people coming together, yes. But the other thing is that they all had the same goal. These individuals, as different as they were, they had one goal, and they were able to work towards it. At the beginning of the sermon, I questioned whether the Bible pushes uniformity. And the reason I ask this is because there is danger in confusing uniformity and unity. They're not the same. Uniformity offers a a pseudo-unity. After all, it is possible to build something, even a ministry, on uniformity and call it unity, when in reality, there's no unity at all. A church with uniformity gathers people from the same socioeconomic strata, the same cultural background, the same ethnicity, the same social aspirations. And if the unity that they talk about is based on anything other than Christ, that's not true unity. The folks may, they may come together and they may feel really good and very comfortable with everybody who thinks and acts the same way around them, but they're missing out on a blessing. They're missing out of the true joy of Christian unity. Unity and diversity comes from seeking an opinion different from our own. Unity and diversity comes from celebrating the differences that make each one of us who we are. But most of all, unity and diversity comes from taking our differences and uniting them toward a common goal, one that creates a positive ripple in the world. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. In the same chapter, Paul continues in verses 15 and 16. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? 
I mean, no, that, that's silly, right? And then Paul, he continues, verses 17 and 18. He writes, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members. Don't miss that. Now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. If God works through our diversity and even has made us this way, why do we try and force each other to change? Why do we try to force other people to be more like me? Take worship, for example. Some people dance and shout. Some raise their hands during praise and worship time. Some say amen. Some clap. While others are satisfied to sit quietly. But all of these hearts are focused on worship. They might be different, they might look different and sound different, but they're all focused on the same goal, the same purpose, connecting with God in heaven. Some people see God in nature, most clearly. Some people through experiences and other people, and and maybe they feel him most through music. But some feel closest to God while reading their Bible, while praying, or maybe even listening to a sermon. The fact that God created different ways to come to him highlights that he created people differently. He's willing to use them differently, to reach them differently, and it shows that he loves diversity. He loves diversity. You know, I mentioned that some people, they they connect most with God. They see him most through nature, and I, I... You don't have to look too far in nature. You know, working with kids, especially a lot of what we did at at camp meeting in primary, we talked a lot about animals. And there is so much diversity within the animal kingdom. I mean, there is is scary stuff. There is funny and goofy stuff. There, There are animals and the way that they act that will just amaze you and blow your mind. Yet God created them all, right? And they don't act the same way. They don't look the same way. God loves diversity. Uniformity does not require grace, but unity does. Uniformity does not require grace, but unity does. We only have Christian unity because Jesus, he clothes us with his righteousness. Now, we all deserve to stay in our filthy, sinful rags. But because he loves us, he clothes us in his righteousness. And because of that grace, we can find unity even in our differences, even in our disagreements. He loves all people, created all people, died for all people, and plans to populate heaven and the new earth with people of every tribe, language, and nation. That's written, written right there, the end of the Bible, Revelation 5, verse 9. 
It's beautiful. A beautiful tapestry that God himself has created. And we might find ways to push ourselves apart, to push certain groups or or peoples or personalities away. But God, through his grace, is trying to bring us back together in unity. You know, we, as the the, the Seventh-day Adventist church, we're a world church, a world church. And what's actually a bit mind-boggling for me as an American, living my whole life in America, growing up in America, do you realize that the percentage of the American church is very small in the broad scheme of the Seventh-day Adventist church? You can go to almost any country in the world and find a Seventh-day Adventist church. We are human, we make mistakes, but we have done our best to break down those barriers and those walls of separation so that we can all come together and realize that each one of us are sons and daughters of the King. Uniformity does not require grace, but unity does. In fact, our unity is most pronounced when we are unified with people who are not like us. Because then it is clear that the source of our unity is Christ. It's Christ. It's put on display and people are watching. The world is watching. Do you remember that concept that I told you to just slip into your pocket? That concept of one mind? I want you to pull it back out. Pull it back out. Grab a hold of it. We're going to uncover its true meaning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, chose, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. What is this one mind, this one mind that we are supposed to have, that we are called to have? It's the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. What does this mind of Christ look like? It looks like laying aside what I have the right to hold on to. It looks like humility and service to others. It looks like voluntary death for the sake of love. That's what Jesus showed us. That was the example that he gave us. When we are humble, we don't necessarily have to agree. When we are humble, we don't necessarily have to hold the same opinion in order to get along with someone else. When we don't insist on holding on to what is rightfully ours, we can get along just fine. We can be of the same mind, even in those moments when we don't always agree. 
The Bible does not say the world will know us to be Jesus' disciples by our theology, by our music, by our diet. Jesus says in John 13, 35, they will know us by our love for one another. If there is one takeaway this morning, one thing that you take from this sermon this morning, let it be this. Forced uniformity will never bring about spiritual unity. Forced uniformity will never bring about spiritual unity. According to the scriptures that we read today, it's not our rules, our policies, or even our beliefs that unify us. It is our having the mind of Christ and love for one another. That's it. Now, is there room for rules and and policy and theology and beliefs within the Christian church? Yes, of course. But not when it comes to talking about unity. For that, we need Christ's mind. For that, we need Christ's love. Whenever I visit my aunt and uncle in North Carolina, there's always a puzzle waiting downstairs on this big table. My uncle gets it ready, ready to be put together. And when I walk down those stairs, I see these puzzle pieces all over the place, different shapes, different sizes, different colors, seemingly random pieces. But when they are scattered about like that, it's hard to even envision how they fit together. Seemingly random pieces. How could they possibly work together? What do they possibly have in common? The thing they all have in common is the picture they paint. In our church, we have so many differences. So many differences different genders, different cultures, different theologies, different personalities, different spiritual gifts. Yet the way that we work together sometimes, I'd imagine the world looks at us and all of our differences and wonders how all of these random pieces fit together. What's going on there? Let us stop allowing our differences to separate us. Let us stop allowing our grudges to hold us back. Let us stop using our personal opinions and beliefs as weapons of warfare against our fellow saints. Instead, let us accept the mind of Christ. Let us start loving one another. Let us come together as all these seemingly random pieces and paint a beautiful image of the body of Christ. If that is your wish, if that is your desire this morning, then I ask that you would just stand with me in spiritual unity now. Just stand with me now. And as you leave the sanctuary this morning, if you go out these main double doors, You'll see a little stool, and on that stool is an offering plate. And within that offering plate, just little balled up pieces of paper. Grab one of those little pieces of paper. 
And when you open it and you read it, I I ask that you would prayerfully consider doing the action that is written down on that paper so that you can show somebody else this week what the love of Christ looks like. I'm also going to invite Chongo Mundende to come forward to stand at the foot of the steps. He's our elder in charge today. And after the benediction, those of you that wish to be dismissed, you will be dismissed. But if there's anybody else here that you want to stick around, you want to talk to either Chongo or myself, you have a a specific burden on your heart and you would like to share it with us. We would love to listen and we would love to lift that petition to God. Let us pray together. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as I look around this room, I see so much difference. Yet we're all here this morning in unity in one accord, because we all have the same goal in mind, and that goal is to grow closer to you. And the more we achieve that goal, the more we will be able to go forth into the world with your heart of love and with your mind of unity and spread your gospel message of grace with the world. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, help us to minimize the differences and even be willing to see beauty in our differences. May we realize that even though we might seem like random pieces, we have been chosen by you, put together by you, and it pleases you to see us working and worshiping together. Lord, use us this week as we leave this place, and we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.